Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of The Remote Worker. My name is Han Talbot, known online as Han Makes World, and I'm so incredibly excited to begin this podcast journey with you. No matter what I've done in life, remote working always seems to be a common theme. From taking extra language classes, sat outside a Spanish village bar as a teenager, all the way through to working in various cafes, offices, gardens, and basically every form of transport as an adult. It's something that I know I've gravitated towards and enjoyed for a very long time. The road to remote working is a windy one, and my hope for this podcast is to provide a little more insight into the life of a remote worker, the different lifestyles, the different jobs, the different ways you can access this flexible lifestyle for yourself, and maybe, just maybe, link up with a few incredible people along the way. Kicking things off, I'll be talking to the fantastic Cash Bhattacharya, also known as the Budget Traveller. Cash is a full-time travel blogger, and as he would say, has been travelling in style on a budget for 10 years, challenging people to think differently about budget travel. We'll be chatting more about the ins and outs of full-time travel blogging, what travel could look like next, and more about how to meet like-minded people while on the road full-time. So grab yourself a cup of tea, a coffee, or do you know what, something stronger if you like, and let's get started. Cash, thank you so much for being on The Remote Worker. You are our first guest. So yeah, thank you for being here with us. No pressure, Han. <laughs> no, I'm very excited. So Cash, straight in. One word to describe your remote lifestyle. Go. Unpredictable. Ooh, okay. Can you give us a bit more? Yeah, when you are embracing a lifestyle of remote working, you're embracing a lifestyle of one of uncertainty because before the pandemic, being a freelancer, the reason, one of the reasons, we'll go into this later, one of the reasons why I embraced remote working as a lifestyle was because it gave me flexibility to plan my life around my work. And my nature of my work as the content creator, travel blogger, that I'm often invited on trips on last minute notice. So remote working really worked well for me because I can bolt it onto trips. But those trips never confirmed till maybe 48 hours in advance. So suddenly you're on a plane and you're in Italy, you're in Bologna, where I am now. So uh, jazz. And it's even more unpredictable now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So mm. it's even more difficult remote working, but it's still possible. Mm. Well, do you know what? Why don't we talk a bit more about like what a day-to-day looks like for you? I mean, obviously the last year and a half, of course, as for everybody, has been different. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yes. But... On a typical day, pandemic aside, what does a day in the life look like for you? Like, be as like detailed as you fancy. It's very simple. A day in the life, typical day in the life of me and my partner, who does all the videos for the blog, you know very well. She's epic. Uh, we would like to wake up. We're not the earliest risers. We like to get up around about eight. We like to have an hour of drinking coffee and consuming media and mm. up to scratch what's happening in the world. We slow starters in the morning, then we like to have a workout that's been constant in the last two to three years and a lifesaver in terms of mental health. When you have a life of living on the road or wherever you are, it's important to have a, a rough kind of schedule of things. And, and uh, as many other remote workers will probably also tell you that uh, men, uh, being fit and having some form of physical activity is a really good way to start the day. So behind me, I'm in the... For the benefit of your viewers, I'm in the student hotel in Bologna, which is a kind of hybrid hotel student accommodation mm. space, and they really cater well for nomads, and uh, they have a gym. The gym comes in very handy, and it's free to use. There is a swimming pool to my left here, which is not common. Oh. Hotels. So you can go for a swim in the morning if you want to, and that's free for guests. 
So uh, yeah, you usually start off with a nice workout that gets the blood pumping and then mm. we have a good breakfast and then we start working and we work generally till six, seven until our brains stop working. And then the fun part of remote working is that in the evenings you are free to explore and, and suddenly become a tourist and uh, you can go and walk around the city for hours and on late summer evenings like mm. like they are now in Bologna, you can be up till 12 o'clock walking around and just getting food. So it's good. Oh, amazing. So the typical, like just to get into the real nitty gritty, so typical tasks could like on your day could be anything from video editing, shooting video. All kinds of this, as I said, unpredictable describes our lifestyle and our work. No day is the same as the other. Now we're basically, we were on the road since the beginning of the summer. We were in mm. Portugal in May, which is a mm. very proper remote working decision that you love. I know I, very much. I know. We were in Lisbon when Lisbon was practically empty and the only tourists that we saw were nomads who were long-term traveling through Portugal at that time. And yeah, we were in Czech Republic in June. Mm. So we were filming there and we're currently wrapping up a video two videos for the tourism board there and we're writing some guides for them to mm. see soon on the blog. So we're working on that now and then we are back in Berlin on Friday and uh, catching up with friends and work and then back on the road again in the second half of August for another project which is yet to be confirmed. So it's very stop-start intense mm summer so far so but it's good yeah it's so exciting no it's good to know i feel like um people like to know kind of get a flavor for things because obviously like between like you and i kind of know what you generally do and uh, it must be like yeah we can talk about it all day but like for a newbie for example they're kind of thinking from the outside you know what does actually being a travel blogger look like because it's not just all instagrams reels and tasting wine and like being able to no, explore no, beautiful no, no, cities no, no. so it can be very glamorous from the outside but mm. from the inside it's Running a business on the road has a lot of challenges in terms of what people normally do in mm. the stability of their home or from their home base. You're actually running a business and choosing to also kind of, it's that balance between work and also having a life outside of work, which is which is important the older you grow, I, I found. Yeah. What's your sort of, what's hot wellness tip for being able to find that balance? Best tip I would say is having some sort of a consistent routine. Mm-hmm. Try and have a few things in place and try and eat as well as possible. Mm-hmm. Diet was a big problem when I was initially embracing this mm-hmm. lifestyle back in 2012 when I went full nomad and I started traveling. I really was not eating very well. I feel like that's part of the process, isn't it, though? That's part of the process. Exactly. And when you're living life from paycheck to paycheck and you're living life from hostel to hostel as I did at that time. I was I was still carrying on as if I was a backpacker and mm. traveling and, and ending up drinking on a Wednesday night and then waking mm. up feeling hungover and not being able to work properly. And that was not really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've always been workaholic. That's been drilled into me, I guess, from my early age. Uh, right. Working before I was a nomad, I was working in in a magazine, producing magazines, and we had a very intense work schedule. So that discipline was there always. I think you have to have a consistent routine. And also, yeah, I I mentioned this before, take care of your health. Yeah. uh, It can play a big difference in your productivity and your overall being. Makes total sense. Yeah. So you touched about on briefly about what you um, did pre going digital nomad. 
uh, remote worker. Do you want to tell us a little bit more and then like kind of why you took the leap towards remote working? I'm by nature not a good employee. I'm too independent. I'm too stubborn. I'm too inflexible sometimes. I like, maybe I'm flexible, maybe I'm partial myself, but unpredictability of mm. being in a job where day-to-day it's different. I don't like the, the sameness of working to in an office and being in the same mm. place every day. I like, I like every day waking up and, okay, where am I going to work from today? That brings, mm. it has its challenges, like trying to find a places which has good Wi-Fi and where you can work from. Mm. So that's why I love, for example, some hostels and some place, places like the Student Hotel because mm. it has a certain set range of facilities that are consistent throughout all the properties throughout the whole of Europe. So I know I can expect a good gym. I know I can find a place to work from. I can know I can get a stable internet connection. And that really is a big luxury and comfort when you mm. have this life of remote working. So those are the things that are important to me and yeah, this is what happens when I go into a question and I forget. <laughs> no, it's all good. So why I got into remote working was because, yeah, I really like the lifestyle. Yeah. It challenges me. It's a creative burst of energy. You notice mm. yourself. That I was going to say, step yeah. Step on a plane, step on a train and remove yourself. Because the biggest challenge as creators we have is become stuck in mm. a rut. And mm-hmm. you're in the same place. And sometimes you need that movement uh, to see new places and stimulate your senses and get new ideas flowing and... And also these are great places to collaborate and meet people from other walks of life. And that's also where Street Hotel is really good for remote workers, for example. So. Absolutely. No, 100%. I feel like I just posted a picture today of being on a riverboat with my laptop. And sometimes it's just getting that fresh inspiration, isn't it? I know for myself, I'm definitely not somebody who's good at being in the same office five days a week, nine to five. No, looking at the, the greater fear is to move. And once you realise that you're creative energy comes from constant dislocation mm. and being in spaces where you wouldn't expect yourself to be in. Mm. That is exciting. That gives you a nice buzz, you could say. That's so important. It doesn't mean you don't have to go to a different country and not jump in a plane. I think many mm. people, when it comes to remote working, the digital nomad lifestyle, they painted out this, this glamorous picture of being in Bali or being mm. in an exotic destination by a beach. But the simple joy of traveling and even hopping in a train and going to the next town or going somewhere which is just half an hour away but you feel like you're a world away from all your reality and that's sometimes mm. what I think most people seek is is a difference where they can they feel something new and different so absolutely yeah. when you're searching for your wi-fi cafes or your student hostels or any hostels or when you're generally planning a trip I guess what's do you kind of have as a priority in when you're planning? Like what kind of aspects of that place? So when we're planning our trips, we're usually looking at hostels or hotels that have good Wi-Fi, that have a common area to work from. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, we stay in Airbnbs. Uh, that is also a very, mm-hmm. very nice option for us because sometimes Airbnb properties, we need to get a lot of work done and we don't want too many distractions. We just want to get up work out coffee, breakfast, go for run, and then start working. Uh, good table space, workspace in, the, in Airbnb. So when mm. you search Airbnb, you can find that in the list of criteria, good workspace, business-friendly, laptop space in Airbnb. So we find Airbnbs are usually good, but sometimes we'll find something that is cheap and affordable and apartment for a few weeks or a month. And we'll try to find a good co-working space or a gym nearby because those are very important for us. Mm. So I also... 
do like co-working spaces. They're, they're great places to work from, to meet people. Because mm. That's what we really enjoy is connecting with other creatives. And that can often be a source of inspiration and work. It's really important for us in our, in our line of work. Okay, so going on to meeting new people, give us your best icebreaker. Or like, what's your go-to when you're like going and talking to a new person? <laughs> I don't want to sound too off my own. <laughs> when, when you describe, when you say, so what do you do for a living? I just say, I'm a professional travel blogger and I just see everybody's eyes <laughs> pop out. They're like, oh no, he's one of those <laughs> people, you know, who travels around the world for free. The ones I hear about in the me- uh, ma- mainstream media. Oh no. Yeah, it's just, it's just <laughs> this reaction that it, I always get. It kind of fills me with dread and, and also excitement because it's always interesting to see mm. how people react. Absolutely. People always have so many misconceptions about my work and my lifestyle. As you said, it is very misrepresented sometimes mm. in the mainstream media. This horrible word, influencer, for example, yeah. which is so far from my work and what I do. But yeah, so I just say that and that's the, mm. the best icebreaker. And then I get 20,000 questions. <laughs> and they, want, they want all my secrets. <laughs> They're like, how do you do it? How do you make a living? Check out my blog. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep on thinking that I should be jumping on the train of training people how to become a professional travel blogger, like umpteen other bloggers and creators to what they do. But I've said, that's not me. I'll, I'll leave it to the, the trusted hands of Traverse and other people. <laughs> I'll just get on with what I do and love most. Yeah, but it's all different, right? Different styles. And no, like, I think what's great about what you do is that you you kind of be the example. You're not like this person that's like, come and be like me. You're like, I am the example, but I'll happily answer questions. I think that's what you do very well. And yeah. obviously you've got your book as well. Yeah. So tell us a bit more about your book. Like, what was that like? Do you have any plans for another at all? Yes. Yeah. <gasps> uh, my book is called The Grand Hostels, Luxury Hostel of the World. Yeah. It's now two years old. It's in four different languages, English, German, French, and soon to be in Korea. And uh, the book is about how this new world of design hostels, mm-hmm. uh, I call them luxury hostels, and people say, oh, you mean like luxury, like luxury hotels? And I say, no, luxury in the sense of experiences, because mm-hmm. I think the real luxury in life is experiences, is, is meeting people, being in a space where you can work, play, you can ha- go to a bar at the end of the day, you might have a rooftop swimming pool in some of these hostels. And the real luxury also is, is people you can feel a connection with the world around you because I think that's what is missing in, in travel at the moment is connection. And mm. what we are looking for now in this post-pandemic fatigue world of no connection and being stuck in our own homes for so long is that we want to go out and meet the world. Mm. That's where this book basically describes this whole world of amazing mm. hostels where you can work, play, and it's perfect for nomads because you know, it's great space to work from. Wi-Fi works Mm. In 95% of places, there's some places where we'll get ship Wi-Fi and we'll get a bad cup of coffee. And, but you will have so many great experiences in these places. That book documents that. And in terms of plans for another book, there is uh, currently no plans for another book. Okay. It's just waiting to see how things kind of pan out from here. But there are plans to start a membership for nomads and remote workers who are looking for affordable spaces. Oh, nice. That has been obviously one of my biggest challenges as a nomad for the last 10 years is that it's really expensive. I find a lot of these cool living sure. uh, spaces. Where the trend is obviously t- 
taken off as well. Yeah, co-working, like there are great spaces like Rome outside mm. this space, but they're not really affordable for, for freelancers or people who are on a shoestring budget starting mm. up a company and wanting to quit their 95 lifestyle and get out of their country and go somewhere else. So mm. what I'm trying to find is something that's affordable. So stay tuned. It's very exciting. So yeah, so that, that if that is your... I've just actually written an article on the blog. Yes. Which is an article to the best hostels in Europe for digital nomads and remote workers. It's epic. And I'm going to make sure I link that below. And that does, well, when this goes live, absolutely. It's needed. They're definitely, it's great seeing like all these places and things like that. But it's so nice to see more people actually looking at this kind of lifestyle and just being able to create more slow travel, which I don't know about you, but I feel like there is going to be a bigger boom in slow travel and by slow travel i mean not just going somewhere for a weekend or a week going somewhere for a month two months longer and actually taking time to see a place yeah it just makes sense from a number of perspectives it makes sense from a budgetary perspective because Mm -hmm. when you plan more time in one place it's easier to get a better rate on your accommodation you are more productive because you're not moving around and Initially, when I started this lifestyle, I was moving around at a ridiculous pace mm. and I quickly had burnout issues. Mm. So my biggest tip is whenever you want to embrace this lifestyle remote working, spend more time in each place. Not only is that good for your own health, but it's good for also the local community. Mm. It's also more responsible because that's something that is more and more important in the mm. world we live in is that we are not constantly hopping around like nutters who just burning up the planet mm. but we're spending more time and embedding yourself in the local community because that's mm. something I, I never consciously realized that that was part of my work and what I did but I always found that hostels naturally embed themselves in the local community so you get to meet people within the community you're not insulated from the city you live in because a lot of these spaces that cater for nomads and remote workers are very artificial and very they're in their own bubble and mm. that's not good and should be Spend time in a city, get to meet locals, yeah. make an effort to really get to know the culture. And that's why slow traveling is important. Mm. And that is basically going to be a big, huge trend that I know that there are lots of destinations. With my tourism blogger, Mark mm. on, uh, <laughs> I know that lots of destinations are looking to cater towards more long-term stays because they realize it's more sustainable. And it's also, from a financial perspective, it's huge for them. There's a whole raft of countries that are offering special visas now for nomads and remote workers. Absolutely. I'm just thinking, again, like for people who might not, are not necessarily as enmeshed in the travel. Is that a good word to use? Not as a, Yeah, I was thinking, is that a good? For the people who aren't necessarily as enmeshed in the travel community as yourself, and I'm going to blow my own horn here myself, sustainability. Like, do you, What do you mean by sustainability and sustainable travel? For me, sustainable travel is human travel it's travel with the human face it's traveling with care it's traveling Mm. with empathy it's traveling with a sense of respect to the place you're in and that can take many forms many people had a crisis of conscience about whether i could be classified as a sustainable traveler because i promote budget travel and i promote sometimes uh, airlines like easyjet and ryanair which are not so friendly to the environment but if i take that out of the equation and i've been doing a lot of train travel recently because it's 
very affordable and easy when you live in Central Europe rather than when you live in Britain. I was going to say also, though, it's beautiful taking the train for Central Europe. Oh, my goodness. It's so easy. And that's one of the things that when I started the blog and I was living in Edinburgh, it's so difficult sure. to take a train anyway. It costs so much money. I always explain that to people, that, okay, our flights might be cheap out of the UK. However, it costs nearly twice as much just to get to the airport itself sometimes. So expensive. And then also getting the Eurostar and... Getting to Paris is before you even get into Europe. And that's yeah. always the, big, the biggest challenge. But I always feel budget travellers, you know, probably Dan and Audrey from Uncondomized, yes. they should some great article about how budget travellers have always been more sustainable because they tend to support more local producers. They choose to support independent people. So whether it comes to uh, street food sellers or whether it's staying in hostels, which are naturally mm. non-branded, non-chain so they're more embedded in the local community. So I always find budget travels are more sustainable in that sense. And mm. you're always, you always, you want you stay there for two days, but you have such a great time. You end up spending mm. seven days or two weeks. Again, I'm going to go off piece. It's funny you mentioned Dan Audrey from Uncorned Market. We were on a panel together. Was I hosted a panel with them at World Travel Market back in 2019, basically, not to massively name drop there. But they made a really great point in their presentation about sustainable travel, of course, can be about environment and supporting the local economy, but also being very mindful and kind, as I'm seeing a lot, this like kind travel can be things like being very wary of who we're taking photos of, did we get certain permissions, and just taking mindfulness to the next level in that respect. Yeah, just being nice. Like, in Italy, our Italian is limited, but we always try and... Needs to bring out master a few expressions. So whenever we're ordering food in a bar or something, we try and say speak it in Italian, and we always get mm. a smile in return. Mm-hmm. That immediately sets you apart from the rest. Absolutely. So now I was in Gran Canaria in January. I was oh. very lucky to be in December when things were quite difficult in terms mm. of travel. But Gran Canaria was, was a green, green destination, and we were there, and uh, we're at the cafe, and then. I will not con- will not say where he was from, but uh, okay. <laughs> he was grunting and eating, drinking his coffee. He was a miserable bugger. And <laughs> then, and then when the lady came, he finally said one word to her. He said to her, uh, "Gracias." Oh, <laughs> it was not even it was not it was not gracias. It was a clever mixture of uh, "gracias" and "gracias." Yeah. So it's like Spanish, Spanish, oh. whatever you want to call this new language. But well, we were pissing ourselves because we're not sure about the guy that he actually made an effort. And even if it means you, you know, some people get put off by by mispronouncing or they might make the fool mm. of themselves. Make a fool of yourself. Absolutely. Don't be so self-conscious when you're traveling. Travel liberates you and makes you a freer, happier, better person. So make a few mistakes and mm. crack a joke, get a smile from the, the waiter, but make an effort mm. because it, it really endears you and makes tourists more nicer and more mm. human than sometimes the images it adds to the experience and i found also sometimes you end up on the most wildest adventures like because of it so yeah no absolutely when you were starting either thinking about remote working itself or the budget traveler did you have a particular mission or like a goal or like a kind of why that motivated you I never realized it at the time that I had a mission. I think when you have a calling in life, you just go with what you feel inside. You don't mm. 
I used to run a magazine as a business before um, in Scotland. I lived in Edinburgh for nine years. I went to university in Scotland. And after that, I launched a magazine for students. I was told to write a business plan and had no clue about how to run a magazine. All I knew that I wanted to create a really good magazine which would allow young people to write and gain work experience so that they could get a foot in the door because I found most young people would not get a foot in the door in working in major publications. But when, when I remember sitting down with my business manager and said, what's the why of your mission? What's your mission? What's your aims and objectives? And I was like, this is all very complicated. This is not in my head at the moment. I just want to go out and make a great magazine. That's all I want to do. And the same thing with, with the blog was when I started blogging as a, as a, when it evolved from being a hobby into a full-time job because the beginning, first few years, it was just a hobby. Then in 2012, I wanted to make my life. I really wanted to create a blog which people would get the best tips mm. of how to travel on a budget, either short term or long term. So mm. in many ways, I already had a future good idea of where I wanted to be. And then I discovered the world of hostels and that became my kind of calling card. And now people come to my blog because they want to find out where the best hostels in X, Y, and Z. And the lifestyle kind of evolved from the mission. So it was never my aim to travel and remote work around the world. And mm. so nomad, I don't even identify. I've always grown at that term, nomad, mm. because I just, again, it's become like influence. It's become another horrible, dirty word that really doesn't accurately rep- represent. And it's again, this, this culture of trying to box people and put people into boxes. It's funny. That. Yeah, I, it's funny. that I do remember back in like 2016, because I did some research at the time, because I was like, I was starting to see all this trend of people working more remotely and things like that. But of course, we didn't know it was remote working at the time, really. I remember seeing digital, I think it was, um, I like Googled how to work from a cafe or something like that. And digital nomad came up. And I, I remember being so confused by that term. I was like, what does that mean? And then trying to figure it out. And it's just so funny how that's taken off in such a short space of time. It, people have been remotely remotely for as long as civilization, you know, people going into monastic lifestyles and going into huts in the middle of nowhere for months, uh, immersing themselves in pen and paper and trying to write a book and write their thoughts of philosophies about life. This lifestyle has already existed before. Mm. It's just now it's evolved into something a bit more Mm. accessible. Mm. Absolutely. So that was a bit of a diversion. Okay, so what is one thing you wish you had known when you started out on your own or going remotely? Oh, going remote. Uh, I was just scared. My, my biggest fear was financial. I was under a lot of financial stress. Uh, I'd gone from a full-time income to embracing a life of uncertainty where I wasn't sure where my next job would come from and work mm. would come from. I had a few couple small projects lined up. They were not really big paying projects. So my main concern was trying to finance myself on the road and to keep developing this idea out of this blog called mm. The Traveler. That was my biggest challenge was financial. I was under a lot of financial stress. And unfortunately, when you are short on money and you are traveling, and traveling can be very, very stressful. Mm. You're unsure about what you're doing the next month and what when your next paycheck is coming through. How did you find that you overcame that? I overcame it because I managed to make something stick and I managed right. to create a kind of breakthrough project in my first year, which was my book. Uh, my first oh. book was Luxury Hospitals of Europe, which yeah. was an e-book. And uh, it was a great success with featured in The Guardian, New York Times and 
if I had, that hadn't happened, if I hadn't had that breakthrough project, then I don't think I would be here now. It might have taken me longer, maybe, but uh, yeah. But that's just me, and that's mm. the world of blogging and content. Uh, if, when you're remote working, I think it's important to to have kind of a plan of where your work is coming from, and then just go for it. It's- but my biggest tip for anyone is is that if you really want to get into remote working and see what's out there, just go out there, network, and meet. That's mm. been my other biggest helpers that mm. I, I met lots of really interesting people on the road and some of those have led to work and for the collaboration so nice oh, cool so what is one story or memory that sums up your experience of remote living and working again don't hold back <laughs> that sums up my experience of remote working and living like a fond memory or like i would say that after six months of, of traveling remotely I left Edinburgh in July 2012 and I, I committed to six months on the road to write the book. It was called The Luxury Hostels of Europe. I went to 30 different hostels. And then I took a pause in Berlin. And that was the point where my money was really running low and I wasn't sure how I was going to survive. And I was already looking at flights back to Edinburgh. But I managed to find a very affordable flat in Berlin for the summer. And I remember spending six weeks there. I loved it because it opened my eyes to. What is great when you travel slowly, as we mm. talked about, and you embed yourself in a place which you never would have thought of ever experiencing. So mm. I was in Berlin in the summer. If anybody's been in Berlin in the summer, it's an amazing place. And Berlin was already become a very popular place for creative people. And I met so many interesting people that summer. I ended up in co-working spaces. I can't remember the very popular co-working space in Berlin. It's a really legendary space. And mm. it was free. you just have to buy a cup of coffee and you could sit in the cafe of the co-working space, good old days, Vita House. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I met a bunch of people. I had the best on my life. I networked, gained lots of confidence, got lots of ideas from that. And that was the, the kind of springboard that summer in Berlin to many other future successful things. But just choosing to stop, pause and spend that time in six weeks. Yeah, it was great. You talk quite a bit about networking and the importance and benefits of networking. Name a couple of places that you think are the best places to go network, particularly for travel, but if any others come to mind. Yeah, I mentioned co-working spaces. Co-working spaces mm. are great. They give you, they're like a home away from home. Mm. After your apartment, hostel, hotel, co-working spaces have everything. You'll find a kitchen there where you can cook. You'll find a cafe and you can have good coffee. Mm-hmm. And you'll have access to instant access and plug into all the events where you can meet and listen to local entrepreneurs from different backgrounds. And that's super exciting and inspiring when you're in the world and you get this luxury access to everything mm. instantaneous. That's what's good. And that's where you also network and meet people. And that's when the magic happens. Mm. And so that's my biggest tip is talking spaces. Right. I use an app called Croissant. Croissant. <laughs> <laughs> depending on your nationality my um, favorite one is brazilians and the way they say croissant what do they say croissanti 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 i thought i said croissant when i went over there and they were like eh <laughs> uh, so coming back i was like i want it i want a cafe and a croissanti <laughs> so so the app croissanti <laughs> gives you a load down of all co-working spaces you can find and it's quite you can do it you can uh, go for a, a flexible membership of couple of hours mm. a week or a month it's good mm. 
I can't wait generally just for when more events like that can start up again. It's going to feel so good when we can all be in the same room, networking, catching up. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait. Okay. Since March 2020, I when we all first went into this big global lockdown for the majority of the world anyway, has there been any part of your business, like obviously apart from travel physically, that you have had to adjust or you pivoted or possibly say future-proofed? For the future? Yeah, the pivot. That was the word that was being uh, mm. thrown around a lot when the pandemic hit. Everybody was like, this pivot. Yeah, it's this, yeah, 12 years of building a business and then just like the click of your hands, uh, let's pivot. I, Anyone, and I always think of Ross from Friends. Always think Ross from Friends. <laughs> pivot! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, just, it's just this really fancy word that got thrown around a lot and no, I didn't build a business no. for 12 years to just pivot sure. at, the, at the first sign of panic. As an entrepreneur, as a remote worker, you have to be ready to face up to the challenges that um, this unpredictability I mentioned. Yes. That this is very much a test of your resilience, of your sure. willingness to embrace this lifestyle. A lot of people questioned whether, oh, are you still doing this nomad thing? Yeah. Still remote working because it's a pandemic now and suddenly travel became a dirty thing and sure. even if you're responsible traveling wearing a mask not going around partying like no tomorrow in mexico you were just you're just moving around your own pace but you were keeping to yourself and no no not, nothing against uh, against but i want to say this no no <laughs> mexico listening to this everybody has their own choice to make and everybody should be free to do what is works for them and that's fine and that's should be that mutual respect there. And I, I, I respect for people who the, had the balls to go off and continue the lifestyle and continue traveling. It's tough. But, you know, this whole, yeah. But we won't get into that. No. What, what I wanted to say was that I did not pivot. I did adjust. Mm. So all my passive income, which is one of the main sources of income, my blog disappeared, which is about 35 to 40%. A lot of people book hostels and hotels around my site. So all that income went and so the only source of income that we had at the time was to basically pitch our content creation services sure. when tourism would reopen again. Mm. So we had a long wait of three, four months for things to start again. And in those three, four months, I had basically, a lot of people said, oh, you should be re rewriting your old content and getting it ready for when tourism starts again. And I was, I was so depressed and so right. it was not in a very good place. And then one okay. day I, I was reading about horror stories of, Hostel friends were struggling and hostels closing down. And yes. I said, can we do something here to help yeah. these hostels and maybe spread word and people to help them? So we, me and a couple of friends, Charlotte mm. and Rose, run an agency in London called Stay the Night. And I'm just going to keep, I, I can't remember it. <laughs> My dearest Canadian friend, he runs hostel management. We always we had this idea of setting up a voucher platform for hostels, but yes. the or I've remembered this. <laughs> and we raised hundred thousand euros within four weeks of starting yeah. up this platform. And I've never done any, anything like this, a project like this before. But it was a, we didn't make a cent from it, but it was just, just great to be useful. It was so interactive. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I didn't pivot. I, I did something completely different. What was your take on, because obviously a lot of people, and I know myself included, we kind of started trying to do more like travel at home. I mean, I know you were on the events quite a bit, but did you know you didn't get that go? Well, if you mean like climbing up my staircase and climbing Everest, that was really impressive. <laughs> and the people who started uh, converting their living rooms into 
cabin class and then looking yeah. through the window of their washing machine and acting as if they were traveling. No, I didn't do that. Uh, virtual events were fantastic. Yes. They were a lifesaver. As you very well know, our your old colleagues and they kept us sane. They, they also reminded me of one of the reasons why I fell in love with mm. the whole industry that I'm in and that remote working is about community. And if there's mm. no community, there's it's so important to have community because they are the you know, pillars of support when things are not going well and you need to talk to someone or you need to you need some help uh, on the feedback and ideas. So, mm. so they, they, they pulled me through the whole lockdown period. So, yeah. I was going to ask you if you think there's anything from the pandemic, like a trend or any particular kind of content or virtual events. I know we're kind of sick of them by now, but... But do you think there's anything from the pandemic that we could be seeing going forward? Or we'll talk a bit more about trends in a minute. But I think from the pandemic, it's been clear that one of the things I expressed, I did a little um, white paper on the future of influencers and uh, for European cities marketing. And mm. one of the things I said that my hope was that post-pandemic, there was obviously it's been a very tough, challenging period for people in the industry of working as content creators. But my hope was that we would emerge more conscious about our travel decisions and how we make travel decisions and how we understand the impact that our travel decisions have on places we go, the people we meet, the communities, Mm. and that we would be more kind of conscious and invest in promoting the right Mm. places and things. Mm. I think it's going to be a huge trend. It's I wouldn't call it a trend. I think it's just something that makes common sense. I'm already seeing that. And, and I definitely think that the trend that you pointed out of slow travel, this will be a huge trend to come. And yeah, destinations will stop moving away from focusing on high spend uh, luxury tourists and stop looking at tourists that really give a damn about their destination and their locals and now willing to invest in their destination emotionally and also financially. Mm. That's my hope. That's what I think. That's where I think things are going. I agree. 100%. I actually agree. So final question. Do you have any thoughts or predictions on what the next step for travel, travel content could be? So thinking from now onwards. I would like to think that in terms of the future of travel and content that we are entering into era of more conscious travel, Mm. where we are more clued up about the impact of our lifestyle of the choices we make and that we accordingly invest financially and emotionally into places we go to. And in terms of content, my hope is that that content will start reflecting more about people, places, and not be just about the most Instagramable places to go, for example, which still seems to be a thing. I just wish for travel to be more human and for for content to be more about humans and more about stories and, and places rather than just about laying trends that come and go. I, I just think if one thing this pandemic has taught us that travel is at its basic essence is all about connection and about people and about more mindful. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And just being mindful and being it's just about going out, having a beer, talking to a stranger and just feeling that your your life is bigger than what you think it is and it's full of endless possibilities. And I think uh, our travel, the way we write about travel, should reflect that. And that's my goal going forward. Beautiful. I need to be reminded of constantly. Beautiful. Love it. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Worker. And thank you, Cash, for your knowledgeable insights. 
You can find links to Cash's white paper, digital nomad guide, and his book, and other bits and bobs that we talked about in the links below. And hey, come and let us know what you thought on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Cash at Budget Traveller, and myself, Han, at Hamleet's World. The podcast is also on Instagram, at The Remote Worker Podcast. And finally, what are your thoughts on the next steps for travel? Thank you so much again for tuning in, and hopefully we'll be remote working with you again soon.